Hello and welcome to the summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Today we will rebroadcast an interview with David Howie of the St. Peter's Seminary Foundation. We talk about who pays for the seminary. And we also speak with Leonardo de Filippis about his theater and film company, Luke Productions. The music we will listen today is from Danielle Rose, singer-songwriter, and Ben Apollinar. But we begin with who pays for the seminary. It's around this time of the year that many of us are invited to ordinations. There have been quite a few across Canada in the last couple of weeks, and there are still a few more to come. And do you know that for every priest that is ordained, there are six or more years of seminary education that they've been through, and someone has to pay for that? Now, to tell us all about this behind the scenes of seminary education, we are now joined by David Howie, Executive Director of the St. Peter's Seminary Foundation in London, Ontario. David, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Good afternoon, Pedro. So, is it true that seminarians don't have to pay? Well, I think there's, you know, the, the level of understanding that's out there about this whole subject is uh, probably pretty, pretty low. So let me just sketch out the environment of, yeah. of uh, the cost of a seminary education and uh, where the revenues might come from, and maybe reference St. Peter's here in London, yeah, Ontario, sure. as, as the case. Uh, we estimate that, uh, that a typical year for a seminarian is $25,000. Okay. Um, and so that within the uh, first four years of a seminarian's training, if that seminarian is taking the uh, arts training in philosophy leading up to the years of theology study, pretty much they are responsible for that. They're, they're responsible just like any other university student would be in another, in another setting. Um, and they have to work summer jobs. They have to rely on families to give them support. So okay. it, it would be a, a, a situation very typical for so many Canadian families, so many families in the United States. So because it's just a university degree, basically. Exactly. Okay. But then what happens in the, in the years of theology study is that uh, for the seminarians who are from our own diocese here in London, Ontario, and, or the London diocese here in Ontario, what we do is we underwrite those seminarians with financial support on a progressive basis. Uh -huh. So by the last year of formation, they're, they're not responsible for anything beyond their personal expenses, but they've got their living expenses, they have their travel expenses. So it, it can be a hefty bill, just like any family attending post-secondary education. So when you say 25000 that that's because it includes a residence? I mean, they have to live there, their food, all of that is taken into, into that, account? That would, be, that would be the full package, absolutely. Okay, okay. so is it, uh, for students who don't have that, is there, I mean, there's financial aid, let's say, like there would be in any other university? There is. I mean, what we what we do is part part of the work that we do here at uh, at St. Peter's uh, Seminary Foundation yeah. is to fundraise for in order to have endowments that will pay for the London seminarians in their theology uh, years. Uh, but you know, for those seminarians who are from outside the London diocese, they still have to pay. Uh, the 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 full ticket in terms of attending the seminary in terms of their their formation years even in the theology years. Okay. So what will then happen is that each diocese from which they come have particular financial arrangements that are are unique to the diocese. Uh, but here uh, the 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 students they have to go and find the kind of financial resources that just any other 
graduate or postgraduate student would have to do. Okay. Are there any issues if the the uh, the I guess seminarian has debt before they go in or or. Be- there is a, you know, and, and you're hitting on, and I listened carefully to your introduction, you're really hitting on a, on a very, very hot topic. If you look at the literature around seminaries, and not just Catholic seminaries, but seminaries right across um, the Christian world, yeah. one of the big concerns is student debt, just like it is for students who are attending university and other settings. And it's, it, the, the problem, of course, is compounded by the fact that when our alumni graduate, they're not graduating graduating to high paying jobs in no, finance or in or in business or in professional schools and of course there's a real sort of limited ceiling on what they can earn as uh, as clergy so we we're, we're really paying attention to uh, to that issue yeah essentially because if they if they graduate and they still have debt it's essentially the diocese that has to absorb that debt anyway because they're the employer well, in the sense that, it, 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 in that sense, yes. Although a lot of that debt would be personal in character, right? And so it would be up to the, uh, you know, the person who is now ordained to find the resources in order to try to eliminate that debt. Right. And, uh, but I think that, that I mean, as you can appreciate, I mean, people who are are choosing this path of formation really do get a lot of support from from family, yes. uh, sometimes from uh, from parishes, and that all that support tends to come to them through the foundation so that right. we can spread out these resources okay. to uh, to the various seminarians. Okay, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with David Howie. He's the executive director of the St. Peter's Seminary Foundation in London, Ontario. Now, you've told us a little bit about the foundation, um, what you do and what your, what your mission is. So what would maybe would be different uh, about the St. Peter's Seminary Foundation, or even about St. Peter's Seminary, that is unusual or different. Those 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 two questions are interrelated, and and we, you know, when when you think of a, a seminary, I don't know when you know when you grew up, if you thought of the seminary as being sort of that external place where men go off for several years and and they yeah. receive this very specialized form of training and yes. magically return uh, yes. as, as ordained priests. Uh, the Saint Pe- the seminary at St. Peter's is a very modern one. We we have several formation programs: priestly formation, mm-hmm. permanent diaconate yep. uh, formation. We have uh, we have an institute for Catholic formation that's responsible for lay ecclesial ministry um, accredited programs within our diocese, and we also operate the diocese's vocation director's office right here. So we have okay. a number of responsibilities across the seminary. So as the seminary foundation. When we look at our annual and special fundraising programs, we have we have fundraising responsibilities for each one of those pillars within the overall seminary umbrella. Actually, you brought up something uh, that I uh, the permanent diaconate program. I'm in the actually in information for the permanent diaconate for the Archdiocese of Toronto, and I don't have to pay anything. It's presumably paid for. I know in Toronto it's paid for by Share Life. So is that something that would you with the permanent diaconate candidate in London? have any expenses or is that covered basically by the foundation or by the diocese typically the expenses that uh, that a permanent diaconate candidate would have would be travel uh, in nature ah. so the program is paid for here the accommodations are right on site because we have a separate building yes. um, and reserve rooms for our permanent deacon candidates yeah. so we've got a class of 24 coming in 
yes. uh, in September. And, you know, we, we, we understand that uh, they're making a big commitment in life. And, you know, whatever we can do to offset expenses that they're incurring, uh, we try to minimize expenses on their side. Right. Now, what happens with either the, the deacons or the priests or the seminarians if they don't get ordained? You've or, do they, are they, is there a responsibility that they have to pay the money back? Or? No, we don't, we don't make any uh, claim um, it, on, on anyone. I mean, they've, this typically, the, you know, these are individuals who, through very deep reflection, very prayerful reflection, are um, deciding perhaps not to continue or not to continue at this time. I mean, one of the interesting yes. phenomena that's happening, is, as you know, is that um, in, in many places, the formation experience is extended as people, you know, as yeah. they're discerning their vocation, decide, oh, I'm going to take a year away and I'm going to work at a school or I'm going to go into business life yeah. Yeah. or something of that nature just to experience another part of life before they make that final, final commitment. So yes. so we understand that, you know, quite often somebody departing from the seminary is is taking a break as opposed to deciding not to uh, not to discern their vocation right. any further. Yeah. So we, we really don't make any further claim. Right. Now, how can people help? Presumably, you need money. <laughs> we, uh, we operate um, a handful of uh, very, very important fundraising programs here in, in, in London, Pedro. We have two bishops' dinners, one in Windsor, Ontario, the other in London, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you know, bring together 2,000 people uh, typically in a year in support of the seminary. We have an annual parish appeal, so it's a little bit different version than Toronto Share Life, but the same yes. concept, yep. where you go to the parishes and ask them to contribute. Uh, and then we have a program where we approach major donors, and as any charity would, and say, would they consider an independent, uh, perhaps one-time, significant donation? So if you looked at the work of the foundation, it would be like many, many charitable yes. bodies that you'd see elsewhere. So you're looking at different levels. Um, not to say, and I'll say this to our listeners, especially if you are in the London Diocese, it's not to say that you can also help out with a donation. Um, David, this has been really, really interesting. I think it's, a, it's an important conversation to have as we, because I think most people, Catholics would say that we support our seminarians, we support the seminary, we support the priests, but nobody's really thinking about that financial uh, part. Pedro, what I would say is just in, in, as we wrap this up, yeah. there is no secret bank account in the diocese for us. <laughs> There's no secret bank account in the Vatican. We have two sources of revenue. It's tuition and government grants for some of our programs, yeah. and then it's, uh, then it's really our donors. And because yes. we're a national seminary, we have seminarians from all over Canada and right. some from the United States. Yep. We would del- be delighted to receive support from all quarters. Excellent. And I guess people can go to the website then and find out how they can help www.stpetersseminary.ca That's correct. So, David, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, keep up the good work, and, uh, and uh, yeah. Pedro, nice. thank you for your interest, and uh, we at the Foundation here have a great partnership with Salt and Light, have a lot yes. of regard for the really wonderful evangelizing work that you guys do, so congratulations. Thank you very much, you too. So again, David Howie, he's the Executive Director of the St. Peter's Seminary Foundation in London, Ontario, and that website, we'll put it on our website as well, a link, but it's stpetersseminary.ca. Here now is Danielle Rose with Psalm 139, wonderfully made from her album, Pursue Me. Lord, you search me, and you know me, when I sit and when I stand. You understand my thoughts from afar Behind me and before me Your hand is there to guide me To 
That was Danielle Rose with her setting of Psalm 139, wonderfully made from her album, Pursue Me. Now, I hate to say that I met someone else as we were preparing for World Youth Day 2002, but that's the case with our featured artist this week. Danielle Rose joined us for World Youth Day 2002. She was in the Youth Festival, and she also was one of the four singers who led the crowd of over 300,000 people for the Litany of the Saints as Pope John Paul II was arriving for the Saturday Night Vigil. And we recently connected with her at Notre Dame, which was providential. Um, but there's so much to say about Danielle that maybe it's just best if we just let her say it. So, Danielle, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much. It's so good to hear you. Wow. <laughs> Praise God. It's wonderful to be here today to speak with the, about the Lord with you. Great. So let's, let's go way, way, way back. You were 17 years old and you went off to India. <laughs> what was that yes. all about? Well, I was blessed to have the opportunity to go and serve uh, the poorest of the poor. And I, um, I spent time with Mother Teresa's sisters in Delhi. And that whole experience... Um, led to God's, God, God showed me that he wanted me to serve the church as a music missionary, to serve the poorest of the poor spiritually through music. So okay. that was uh, the turning point in my life of knowing that I wanted to give that gift of music over to the Lord that okay. he had given to me in the first place. Okay, but you were 17, most 17-year-olds don't even know what they're going to do in university, but you already, <laughs> uh, where did that call come even before you went to India? Um... The gift that God had given me that gift of music naturally and had used it through my life. But yeah. um, my parents are both just beautiful people and uh, very generous in their gifts and, in, and serving those in need. And so I had always dreamed about going to India. And they, I asked them if they'd allow me to go and volunteer there. So they, they did. They were very brave to let me go by myself as a 17-year-old to the other side of the world. Yeah, <laughs> wow. So that experience changed your life. Um, and then after, the, after that, you literally went off to be a missionary using your music. Um, did, you, did you always have such clarity about what you were called to do? Did you ever doubt? Um, with the music dimension, no. I, I knew that God had given that gift, and I, I had a burning desire to be able to use it in whatever way that he would allow me to, to be able to bring people to know his love through that, you know, through just sharing my heart that way. And, um, and he began to open the doors to be able to do that. And that was God's hand. And I'm so grateful for that. So you were, uh, were you at that age already writing your own music? I was. Uh-huh. And I had been previously, but it hadn't been about the Lord. But then at that point, I began to write just only music for the Lord. Okay, so you were doing other kinds of music before. Your first, uh-huh. your first album, Defining Beauty, was that hap- yes. was that, did that happen around that same time or after you went to university? After, that was while I was still in university. It was when I was a junior at Notre Dame. Okay. It was when I recorded my first album. Okay. And um, so that was almost, that was 10 years ago. Okay. And then uh, when you recorded your second, sorry, the second album is The Mysteries, right? I just have yeah, to get the second album here. is Mysteries. So that's the and rosary. That was, in response to, that was in response to when Holy Father John Paul II gave the letter on the rosary and the new luminous mysteries. And yes. at the end of the letter, he implored the young people to take up the rosary once again. And I wanted it to be able to help share that message and to teach young people about how the prayer comes alive through the mysteries. So I wrote those, those songs as um, a means of trying to evangelize to bring the rosary um, alive in people's hearts. And you actually had a chance to present that CD to Pope John Paul II, right? I did. 
did on January 14th of 2004. How was that? What was that like? It was absolutely overwhelming. I felt that he, when he glanced over, I felt that he could see into my soul. Yeah. And it was very startling and overwhelming. And to receive his blessing, and he was very frail and very sick at the time, and so it took all his effort to lift up his harmony and to give his blessing upon my head. He patted my cheek, and, yes. you know, it, it was... Um, it was absolutely overwhelming I to be in imagine. the presence of a saint. Yeah, I know. Um, just a note for anyone that might be tuning in at this time, we're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Danielle Rose. This is Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro. And uh, Danielle is our featured, art- as I said, our featured artist of the week. Now, you, uh, even after all this was happening, um, were discerning religious life. Yes. There came a point in which God made in, an experience in prayer and then discernment very, very clear that he was inviting me to enter the convent and, and actually to, to surrender the whole music ministry um, entirely. And I, I didn't think that I would be ever doing that again, actually. So you, and, um, you actually thought that God was calling you to stop singing. You were not going to sing it ever, ever again. Yes, I, I was invited to enter. Well, I knew he made it clear I was entering a community where I wasn't going to be ever recording again or... Okay. you know, performing concerts or anything again. And I, and it was um, a very difficult surrender because it didn't make sense, but I knew that he was asking. It felt like Abraham and Isaac, you know? Yeah. And um, so after two and a half years of discernment with the community, then I, it, you know, it's a seven-year process till final vows. Yeah. So it's, you know, I discerned with the community that the Lord was calling me to uh, to leave and to re-enter the world. And the sisters asked me to do a farewell concert. Oh, and yeah. um, and I didn't think I'd ever do a concert again. So um, I did a farewell concert, and the day of the concert, you know, in the story, story of Abraham and Isaac, how right when the, uh, Abraham was about to slaughter his son, the Lord stopped him and sent a ram out of the bushes to yeah. offer instead, and yeah. when he was obedient. Yes. And um, the day of the concert that I would do the farewell concert, I was praying in the rosary out in a can in the desert in a canyon, and. I was pondering everything and wondering when I was leaving if God was calling me to start using that gift again or not, you know, whatever His will was. And and the Lord literally sent me a ram in the canyon. It locked up with big horns right across from me. And, really? And uh, that was the night that I, I played music for like that again for the first time in about three years. A real ram. And, uh, a re- like a real, a real ram. A real ram. A real living ram. Are and you... the Lord just, you know, He showed me that he wow. was giving it back, and I had surrendered in obedience as he had asked me to. So, so now I've just begun to, to serve again in song after about five years of not doing that because of the whole surrender and, and discernment journey. Now, that, that's an amazing story, and, and, and I have so many questions about discernment, discernment, but maybe we can bring you back and talk about that, because I want to ask you about music. You have this, these yes. four albums that we've, we've mentioned, Defining Beauty, Mysteries, I Thirst, and Pursue Me. Um, you, you see that you're going to continue then recording and performing? No? I, uh, yes. Yes, it's, it's such a joy now to, to be discovering the plan God has for my life to be just who He's created me to be. <laughs> and um, to sing for His glory for souls, and I very much plan uh, to continue to do that, and I'm, in the, I'm hoping to do a pro-life album next, is what I feel He's asking me to do next. Right, so that's in the works maybe already? Yeah, I've been starting to write. Okay, so you're writing new songs. So you have to let us know when that when that is ready or when you have a few songs ready so we can uh, play them here. Wonderful. That would be great, Danielle. That's all the time we have. But it's been really good reconnecting with you and hearing about you and uh, 
learning about your discernment and, and, and how you respond to God's call in your life. That's quite an amazing story. I love the Ram story. So thank you for that. Thanks, guys. Thank oh, you. Thank you very much. So Danielle Rose was our, is our featured artist of the week. She joined us on the phone. She's in California while she's doing a concert tour. Um, you can find out all about Danielle and all about uh, her music and where she's going to be doing concerts at her website. It's daniellerose.com. Um, and we'll put that link on our site as well, daniellerose.com. Here now is Danielle with uh, another one of her songs, the title track of her album, I Thirst. <laughs>
Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio, part two. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. I'm sure many of you remember a couple of years ago, there was a film, Therese, on the life of St. Therese of Lisieux. Now, did you know that behind the making of that film, there is a whole production company that has been dedicated to producing dramas on the life of Christ and the saints, St. Luke Productions. And they have been doing this for three decades. And the man behind St. Luke Productions is actor and director Leonardo de Filippis. And he's currently touring Canada with a production on the life of St. John Vianney. And I'm very happy that Leonardo de Filippis is joining us now on Salt and Light Radio. Leo, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here at Salt and Light. I, I, I guess I have to clarify because it's St. Luke Productions does the theater stuff and then there's Luke Films, right? Exactly. We do both. They're kind of a mother, uh, mother-daughter mother situation. Okay, good. So just to, I, I, in case people get c- confused, and we'll get to that. I want to start, though, way back when. You're a Shakespearean actor. You're trained in that tradition. That is correct. So how did you end up doing these shows about saints? Well, I was in, you know, doing the normal things like you would have, like at Stratford on Ontario. Yeah. And then I eventually had a, a uh, conversion in while I was in the theater itself. Okay. And uh, during that time, and so uh, when I was thinking, uh, I was thinking of religious life after that, uh-huh. or priesthood, and then uh, a priest it was actually who came to me and said, why don't you, Leonardo, why don't you get something ready for a, a conference? <laughs> and he asked me if I would do something on the gospel. Okay. And because of that, I started, uh, the first gospel I did was St. Luke, for, uh, St. Luke, right. gospel St. Luke, and I performed that, and then a couple months later, I created another show on, on the Gospel of Luke, and then before I knew it, I was starting to do the lives of the saints. Right. So, and I guess the name Saint Luke Productions then comes from that first show that you. It were comes on. from that first show, and it just is providential that uh, Saint Luke is not. He has many pa- patronages, but he is also the patron saint of artists. Really? Yes, because he's the first uh, uh, person to ever paint. Uh, the by tradition, oh, yeah. the, the image of the Blessed Mother and um, that's right, uh, and, uh, and child, which the would icon, be yeah. Our Lady of with the Black Madonna. That's right. I did not know he was. So a he's our first Christian painter. Interesting. Well, that's good to know. Now, um, what sort of what what's what shows have you done? What uh, you've done the gospel? Well, I started after that after the Gospel of Luke. Uh, I did one for an Advent season, and then for the Passion for Lent, yeah. and then I did St. Francis of Assisi for the 800th anniversary of his birth, uh-huh. and then right after that I did the gospel of the entire Gospel of John, uh, when John Paul wanted the, uh, the, the Orthodox uh-huh. and the Roman right to come together in unity, so I did that as a Byzantine approach to the, to the gospel, and then I, after that I did the Confessions of St. Augustine, and then I, the Carmelites got a hold of me. I did St. John of the Cross for his 400th anniversary, uh-huh. um, his death. And then I did, uh, uh, after that, I ended up doing St. Maximilian Kolbe right. uh, you know, for his 100th anniversary. And then I did uh, the Song of Songs uh, in, in the interim there. And then I jumped into uh, St. Therese, uh, the live drama. Yeah, and then uh, eventually the most recent drama being Saint John Vianney. But in right. the mix of all that, I I was doing films on. Uh, we created uh, six uh, videos for television, and then we eventually did the film on Saint Therese yeah. itself for the yeah. movie theater. Yeah, and I do want to talk to you about that. But so just so the, all these shows, the, the the stage shows, you write them, or do you have a team of writers, or how do you? How do uh, they... Well, a little bit of both. Um, I usually do the research and writing. And then uh, my wife would do, she's a very good writer and editor, uh-huh. and then I would always have a scholar 
that I would be working with, say, you know, to you check know somebody who really knows that saint's history and life okay. very well. And are most of the stage shows kind of one-man shows? Are they, they are all one-person shows, yeah. though we've kind of created a, a very unique kind of style, how we do these one-person shows with light sounds, uh, you know, a, a lot of music. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just a note for anyone that might be joining uh, the program at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. We're speaking with Leonardo de Filippis. He's a actor and director, and I guess founder of St. Luke Productions and Luke Films. Um, so tell us about Therese, the film. How did how did you go from doing one person shows on stage to this massive one million dollar budget production? Well, what I did was I started to do small films on uh, St. Francis, uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe, St. Yeah. John of the Cross. Uh, and then when I jumped into St. Therese, we were challenged, should we just do a, a record of the actual play, translating that into a video format, mm-hmm. or should I try to do an actual feature film? And there hadn't really, there'd only been one other uh, black and white film yeah. uh, it, that was more uh, an actual feature film, as a realistic. There was a French film that was more done in the studio the whole time, right. more of a symbolic thing. So we decided to do a realistic full-length feature film. And so we jumped into that, and it became the the first movie that was completely done by donations and completely done, in a sense, by the church itself. Because, yes. Uh, so many different uh, parishes and groups, bishops, priests, laity, etc., all came forward together to help us put this together. And then after we made it, and, and uh, we had to get it distributed, and so it ended up happening because most uh, Hollywood groups did not know who St. Therese was, uh, we mm-hmm. ended up becoming the first uh, Catholic distribution company. Okay. That actually, we created the company in order to launch the actual film legally into the, uh, you know, into the movie theaters and into the movie theaters here in Canada also. Yeah. So uh, that's how it all came about, and and we had the great grace of, I did have the great grace of flying to different parts of Canada to help promote yes. the movie. Yeah. And uh, so that it at least get known by the people. Yeah, for sure, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, watched the film. I and I, I, I remember when you came to Toronto to promote the film, and I met you at that time. Um, uh, just curious because I remember the the lead of the movie, Lindsay Younds, I believe was her name. Yeah, yes. She had a conversion experience while making the film. Yes, well, she she was um, she was a Quaker, um, okay, and uh, she that was her religion, and then she. When she was thinking of Catholicism, but then she was not Catholic during the the film. Okay. So uh, after the film, she she did end up becoming Catholic. Yeah. And uh, so it's a marvelous story. In fact, the Pope, who plays the you know the role of the Pope, was an actual uh-huh. uh, bishop from New Zealand. Oh yeah. And uh, we got him to do because he looked like Leo Pope Leo the Thirteenth. Right. And so it just so happened that that particular bishop was chosen to oh, give, enter, enter her into the church, neat. to bring her into the church and now, give her a sacrament. You're making me think that, I mean, you're, you're involved in all these productions, you get to meet all these people, so you, in, a, in a sense, there, is there a little a, sort of a community of, of uh, Christian or Catholic artists or actors that, are com- that have come together through a lot of these productions? Yes, there has. I mean, what's happened is, you know, of course when you do a film, it's a sporadic moment. Yes. And so you gather a whole group of committed people together, uh, a lot of them uh, committed Catholics. Others are, you know, Hollywood people, etc., mm-hmm. who have technical skills, and you bring them all together uh, to try to to create this effort, right. as I'm sure is so true with Salt and Light sometimes. You know? Yes. So uh, that's what we did. We put this thing together, and 
really, Pedro, it's just been an incredible response because it's a lot of it is the spiritual impact something has when people have conversions, come to the faith, um, deepen their faith, um, name their child. Uh, you know, they get inspired. Uh, St. Therese, of course, is a very, very popular saint. Yeah, great. Now tell us a bit about Vianney, because this is the show that you're touring in Canada right now. You've been to, uh, you've had shows in London and Toronto and up in Barrie uh, already. Um, you're moving on to the East Coast. So is Vianney one of these one-person shows? You're a man, one-man show? It is show? a one-person show, and but you... what's very interesting, it's a, we created a movie. It's an interactive movie okay. with the actual character. Uh-huh. So what will happen to the audience itself is you will forget that it's an actual one-person show. You will start to see characters appear and disappear in relationship in the same space that uh, Vianney is in. So okay. um, it's, a, it's a quite a quite a very you know original type of approach to live drama. But wait, so these characters are all played also by you or by different actors? Uh, different actors okay. and actresses, and some some of them by me. And does the character, the the Vianney character played by you, interact with some of these yes, other characters? Yes, he interacts with the with the devil, who's one of the because Saint Javion is one of the most attacked saints by uh, by the devil. So you'll see real battle. You'll see Saint Philomena. You're going to meet the villagers uh, of ours. You're going to meet different uh, priests, religious. Um, you're going to meet children. Um, so it's it's quite an interesting approach, and uh, and so it's become one of our most popular. Uh, performances that I've ever done in in thirty years. Right now, uh, you you developed, I presume, the Vianney show because of the year for priests. Yes, that is correct. I did. I created it before it was going to happen for the hundred and fiftieth anniversary of his death. Uh-huh. But I knew that the church would do something. I didn't know what they were going to do because right. it was hard to just ignore Saint John Vianney. So then the Pope, of course, since he's the patron saint of himself and all the other priests, uh-huh. he decided to declare it the year of the priesthood in honor to inspire all priests and all laity to understand the meaning and role of the priesthood in order to pray for them. Yeah, no, and it's been neat because, I mean, with the year of the priest ended almost a year ago, but it's continued through the work that you're doing with this show. It's, it it's... really is because we're coming, going diocese by diocese. So we're here in Canada. We started out in British Columbia. Yep. And so we did it with the heart of Giambiani, the relic, and we're going from parish so that the bishop is involved, he comes, the, mm-hmm. the vocation director, the priest comes, yes. the laity come, because it's in unity, because Giambiani is really the saint of the structure of the church, mm-hmm. being a parish priest, and all he did in his history. Uh, so because even the saints themselves come from parish life. Yeah. Well, and that's, so we just, that's our home, so to speak. Yeah, well, it's, it's a fascinating uh, work that you're doing, Leonardo. I, I wish you all the best. It's great that you're also encouraging people to celebrate the priesthood and celebrate the church through this particular show. So I encourage um, uh, our listeners, if you're anywhere near... Um, Barry's Bay, uh, St. John, New Brunswick, Fredericton, New Brunswick. There's shows in Charlottetown and Halifax uh, at the Marion Gathering at uh, Mount St. Vincent University in Halifax. Um, there's also another show uh, at the end of the tour, May 22nd, back in Portland, Oregon, where uh, St. Luke Productions is based. So go to stlukeproductions.com, find out where those shows are and what the dates are and, and all the information so you can go... Uh, learn more about St. John Vianney, and hopefully it'll feed your, your faith, your spiritual life, and you can also support a great venture. Leonardo, it's been a great pleasure speaking to you and seeing you in Toronto and uh, having you on the show. Well, God-
God bless you, and, and God bless all the work that you're doing, and God bless us in life. Thank you very much. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Ben Apollinar, with a song from its new album, Firm. The song is titled, My God. Artist of the Week, Ben Apollinar, with his song, My God, from his newest album, Firm. 
I was just in Houston last week, and I had the chance to reconnect with an old friend. Uh, not that he's old, but yeah, we have known each other for a couple of years. He's a Texan. He's been involved in music ministry since he's a teenager. He was part of a group called Sudden Impact, and we'll, I want to ask him about that. But he had a powerful experience that forever changed the direction of his life and music. And Ben Apollinar has a new album called Firm. It's fresh off the press. So I'm happy to have Ben joining us now on Salt and Light Radio from his hometown, Texas City, Texas. Is that correct? That is correct. There's actually hey, a place in Texas. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> You're welcome. There's actually a place in Texas called Texas City. You know, when I first moved there, I had to um, look at the map and go, is there really a Texas City, Texas? Because uh, they said, you got to move to Texas City. I'm going, I, you're kidding, right? They, There's they, a Texas City. Uh, I was confused. They couldn't come up with a, with a new name. That's no. all right. So I, I do want to go back, back in time here because Sudden Impact was like 30 years ago or something, right? Right. So, and I remember, but I remember <laughs> Sudden Impact, but I have a feeling that the Sudden Impact I remember it might either not be the same sudden impact or it was like a reincarnation of it because in 1986 or whenever that was, I didn't hear about sudden impact. So tell me about um, how you ended up with sudden impact and kind of what happened. We, um, we used to have a uh, pop group again, the, the name of the group was pop was a uh, sudden impact. And then, um, we, uh, like most people, uh, like most guys in bands, we played, um, the pop circuit in the uh, West Texas area and then um, in, um, it, I had had a dream. We were working in ministry at the time, uh, in the church, heavily so, involved. So are you the group, or are you... Myself, myself and uh, two other members, uh, Eddie Vasquez and okay. uh, Mickey Vasquez. Yeah, so, we so, okay, so we so, were pretty tight in high school. Okay, so Sudden Impact that was doing secular gigs yes. was, was also involved, you and those, those two guys, in ministry. That's correct. Okay, I get it. That, that's correct. And then... Um, during uh, during that time, while well, even though we were still working, we were playing on Sundays, doing liturgy, and um, and uh, doing our work in the church. Um, we were still playing our, our gigs on the weekends, and uh, I remember one uh, night that I had had a dream where I had seen the image of sudden impact um, shatter before me, hmm. and um, I always paid close attention to to my dreams to me that's where uh, you know in in my heart and in my soul that's where the lord speaks to me the most it's probably because i pay attention the most i'm i'm not yeah. moving around i'm i'm really focused somehow some way so uh, right. the lord catches my attention then yeah but anyway um when we were um when God, it's been such a long time when um when that happened i knew that there had to be a change i knew that there was a um a calling something deeper that needed to happen mm-hmm. and so i let the guys know hey look this is the here's the situation i can no longer be a part of what the um, what we're doing there has to be a greater purpose and i know that it uh, god is involved in it mm-hmm. so um they embraced it um immediately um, that that was the good news is that they embraced it immediately. We had two albums uh, come out. One of them was um, by Faith was our second album. The first one uh, was just Sudden Impact, brand new start. Right. And um, those were uh, those were really growing times in our in our in my spiritual walk. Yeah. So so the three of you were involved in the church. It's not like you had a crisis of faith or anything, but somehow had you not realized that. Did you see a conflict with what you were doing in the secular scene? Like, was it, was it bad? It's not like you were doing bad things. 
No, it, it wasn't. It was just probably more focused. There was a need. Um, what I believed, the, the style of music that we were playing, um, we were uh, playing some of the music, just our, just our style. You know, when you go, you know, there was a time when people grew up in the church that yeah. all they listened to or the music was lent, lent itself to um, to the organ. Yeah, and so now uh, this was, uh, I guess, um, looking back, it was probably a generation of people that needed to listen to music in a in a new way, not the not downplaying any other. It's just yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It was just a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I believe that that's probably one of the reasons why this calling was so deep, because it was uh, it did reach out to many people uh, uh, in our, in our parish. In our and we also started playing in other parishes as well. Yeah. Kind of took our uh, our music on the road and uh, played for masses at uh, in the surrounding Texas area, Kermit, Monahan's, uh, yeah. Odessa, El Paso diocese. Um, we played conferences and we brought our music, this new music, to um, yeah. to the Catholic Church. Well, I say we brought it to the Catholic Church. Uh, we brought ourselves into or to the Catholic Church to a deeper meeting, meaning uh, with our music, and um, it was well received. Let me just say that yeah. it was well received. And I think time. that that's around the time that I actually did hear about Sudden Impact. Now, just to know, Ben, for anyone that might be tuning in at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro, and we're speaking to our featured artist of the week, Ben Apollinar. Um, did you continue playing with Sudden Impact uh, up until like 2000 or so? Uh, probably, I want to say it was probably close to 98, yeah. 2000, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, then so moved then, to uh, on to Houston. Yeah, okay, because that's, that's when I heard about Sudden Impact. And then I think recently, I, like very soon after I heard about, then I didn't, uh, or I heard her that the, the band split up and stuff. And then I, uh, that's about the time that I met you actually in 2001. Um, Correct in uh, in Arkansas. In Arkansas at uh, John Michael Talbot's twentieth or twenty fifth, twenty twentieth anniversary. Anyway, I don't remember. That was a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, that was great. That was a great time. It was a great time. There, it was. Yeah. It was. Tell tell us a bit about this new album, Firm. This, yeah, well, this album is um, it is a collection of strong of uh, songs that will um, strengthen your faith. Uh, obviously, it has. Um, there are many psalms in mm-hmm. the uh, in the album. Um, they're meant to. We use them in our church. We use them at, at mass um, for the responsorial psalms. And um, um, I don't want people to be intimidated by the big production because it has to be. It has to be likable um, when we're when we're putting it on in uh, to make it marketable. Yeah. But when you are, you can remember that every song starts with an instrument, and so uh, the songs are meant to be used in mass. Okay. And uh, it is a. Um, I guarantee you that it will probably make you take a. The, 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 it'll make you take a, a second listen, um, because the songs are so strong. Uh, they're yeah. they're straightforward. There's no watered down lyrics in it. Uh, we played this past weekend in Baytown, mm-hmm. and um, some of the some of the young people were going, "Boy, this is really Catholic." Yeah. And so that's that was the whole idea behind it is to make sure that that the product was uh, definitely going to be uh, Catholic based. That's that's who we are. Yeah. So, so you so your your intention is that to have the music played at mass. Do you have charts available? Like if people want to find out what the chords are, that kind of thing. Can we are working on that right now. We do. We are working on the um, on the charts. Uh, working with the uh, some other musicians or rather some uh, band directors here yeah. in Texas City, trying to get that get, trying to get it charted out. Correct. Nice, nice. So that's that's really useful. Thank you. Um, um, why the title firm? 
This is where I am at probably where I've been and where I long to be, <laughs> where I long to remain, is firm in my faith. Okay. And I think that speaks of, of, any, of everyone else. You've either been there, you've either been firm in your faith, you desire to be firm in your faith, or you are firm in your faith. Right. And that's uh, it's just a reflection when you listen to the CD. It's like a little journey when you start off. Uh, you start off with firm, and you start off with the hallelujah, and you keep on going to the very end till you hit the bread from heaven, and it's so soothing. You can't, you can't help but leave with a sense of, wow, this really defines you know, who I am. One of these songs really defines who I am in my spiritual walk, and it should, because again, these songs come straight out of the lectionary. Yeah. Okay, many of these songs come out of the lectionary, so uh, it, it's just very uh, affirming, and I know that that's what it speaks that's how it came to me. Is yeah. um, I needed to I needed to put this out because this is who I am at this very moment yeah. uh, in my life, and and I just kind of wanted to share that with everyone. Yeah. Now you know that the theme for this year's World Youth Day in Madrid is firm in the faith. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the, that was just co- completely coincidental that you had sort of were going in that direction, or was, was there a, a, a... It, you know, it, uh, it's amazing. You know, we started this project back in uh, 2009. It's amazing. And um, it's been almost 15 months uh, since we've... Uh, yeah, since we started, since it's released, uh, since, since the release, in, I'm sorry, it's been 15 months of hard work, rather. Yes. But um, it, no, no, uh, I really had no idea that it was going to be that's, firm in the faith. It just great. so happens that that's just the way it worked out. Well, uh, yeah. It's just, just amazing. Well, great. So maybe maybe not just helping people in liturgy, but you can help uh, groups uh, prepare as they're going to, if they're going to Madrid to prepare for World Youth Day through the album and through that song in, in particular. Um, ben, that's all the time that we have. But uh, this has been really good reconnecting with you and, and, oh, and no. certainly seeing you last week in Houston and meeting your wife, Priscilla. Um, that, that was just a lot of fun. So uh, keep up the good work, eh? It was really great to see you, Pedro. Uh, I know that we will connect again, and I uh, sure appreciate everything you're doing for uh, for the Catholic faith. Yeah, for sure. Uh, maybe we'll have you up here in Canada for uh, some Firm in the Faith concerts. I'm almost on my way right now. <laughs> great. Thank you. So um, that was uh, Ben Apollinar, our featured artist of the week. If you want to find out more information, you want to find out how to get the album Firm or to book Ben Apollinar for an event, you just go to his website, benapolinar.com, B-E-N-A-P-O-L-I-N-A-R.com. We're going to put a link uh, to that site off our website as well. Um, here now is Ben with the title track from that album, Firm. I look in the mirror and all I can see Is a person who longs to be free Free to do, free to be Everything God calls me to That's not to say I don't know who I am The more I proclaim, the stronger I stand And that's it for this week's summer edition of Salt and Light Radio. Remember that you can stream or podcast this show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and you can send us emails to radio at saltandlighttv.org I'll talk to you next week. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been the summer edition of Salt and Light Radio.
my thoughts and my words and my deeds. Your spirit inside of me says to resist, it shall be. That's not to say I don't know who I am. The more I proclaim, the stronger I stand. Firm on the rock I stand. Firm everything that I am. Let me hear, hear at this moment. Right for you 